The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to Friday Night Live with me, Hafiz Shaban, this Friday, a very cold Friday evening uh, on the 8th of November 2019. That is corresponding to the 10th or possibly the 11th of Rabiul Awal 1441. As usual, we are broadcasting live to Luton on 105.1 FM and of course uh, broadcasting live to our sister stations nationally in Sheffield, Link FM. Assalamu alaikum Sheffield, Peterborough, Salam. Assalams to Peterborough, to Derby, Nottingham uh, and nationally via, of course, the Inspire FM app. Uh, not to mention a Facebook live stream also, uh, so you can also witness and uh, follow us live from the studio broadcast internationally, of course, also. Tune in uh, and most importantly, join today's discussion, right? I want to hear your voices. I know it's cold out there, but let's spice it up with some interesting conversations and debate, inshallah. 01582481822. 01582481822. If you want to join in today's debate discussion, you want to speak to me. 01582481822 is the number here in the studio. Uh, for those of you that love your SMS and your social media messages, WhatsApp messages, 0 triple. Seven nine zero triple seven nine four eight one eight double two is the number here in the studio, inshallah ta'ala, right? So inshallah, firstly, Juma Mubarak for all of you uh, out there, inshallah ta'ala, pray that it's going well today on Juma'ah. Like I say, a very cold day today here in Luton and the surrounding areas. A uh, number of stories that we're going to be covering this evening, inshallah ta'ala. We're going to be starting off with Pakistan. That's right, Pakistan uh, seems to always be in the news for one reason or another. We could have covered the current ongoing conversations with uh, India in terms of the, the border opening for the Sikh community. But we're not going to be covering that. We're going to be covering something closer to home, something that's been happening in Islamabad. And that is the protest against Imran Khan and the government of Imran Khan. The, the, the march that's currently going on inside Islamabad, right? Islamabad. Pakistanis are marching out against Imran Khan. We're going to be asking what's happening here. Anti-government protests led by Molana, so-called Molana Diesel, right? So we're going to be discussing that. Ten to fifteen thousand protesters camped outside in Islamabad's Kashmir Highway. If you're out there in Pakistan or you've been out there over the last couple of days, get in touch. We're going to be speaking to some experts and finding out what's happening in Islamabad at the moment. We're also going to be discussing, of course, uh, the. Uh, we're going to be discussing Rabiul Awal. Now, Rabiul Awal, of course, is our month, which is associated with the birth of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. A lot of the khutbas today on Friday would have been covering Rabiul Awal, probably from many different perspectives. Uh, what was your khutbah about in, in the masjid that you attended, right? Uh, and we're going to be discussing Rabiul Awal, but we're going to be looking at it from a slightly different perspective. We're not going to go into the pedantics and, and the debates of Mawlud. Mawlid or not Mawlid, but what are the lessons that we take away from Rabiul Awal and the birth of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in this in this month? We're going to be discussing that. We're going to be discussing with a, a couple of sheikhs, inshallah ta'ala, who are going to give us their perspective on things and, and the way we should look at uh, Rabiul Awal, inshallah ta'ala. That's in the first hour, the, the first two stories. 
And then we're going to finish off with uh, some international, uh, one international story, one local story, and that is Saudi Aramco IPO, right? The world's most profitable company is to go to public. We're going to be explaining what's happening in Saudi and what it means going to public. And very last but not least, we're going to be covering winter preparations. So winter's here. It's already getting very cold. The, the cars are freezing up early in the morning, early hours of the morning. We're going to be discussing how do we prepare adequately for winter as an individual in terms of preventing uh, the flus and the colds and also keeping safe in this month of winter. So that's the lineup 01582481822 Right, so let's go straight into the leading story because we have got some very, very kind guests, experts, panelists from all the way from Pakistan who are going to be shedding light on our lead story. And that is the protest against Imran Khan government in Pakistan. A lot of you are probably following it. Some of you may not have followed it, but thousands of anti-government protesters led by Jamaat Ulama al-Islam, Fazi, uh, by, of course, the leader Fazl rahman have been camping out on a highway in the Pakistan capital, you know, for a good few days, right? And they are very boastfully claimed that we have shut down Islamabad as if it's something positive, right? It's, it's very strange. Today we have shut down Islamabad and tomorrow we will shut down the entire country. All right, so that that's what Fazl Rahman is declaring, shutting down the entire country. I don't think that sounds very positive to me, but let me go straight to my experts and ask this question to the experts, right? So we've got Islamuddin Sajid, who uh, very kindly is the, of course, regional chief correspondent of one of the news agencies based in Islamabad. And we've also got Osman Zahid, the BBC Pakistan producer. No strangers to Friday Night Live. Assalamu alaikum to, to both of my guests uh, and uh, welcome to Friday Night Live once again. Thank you very much for your time this evening. Tell me what are, what are all these protests uh, against Imran Khan and his government about? Let me go first to Usman Zahid Sab. Waalaikumsalam, all you, sir. Uh, very good, Usman uh, How about yourself and, and what is the latest from Islamabad? I, I understand you're probably either in Islamabad or in Lahore at the moment. Oh, yes, well, I'm in Lahore. I came here uh, today from Islamabad. So, yes, uh, this is uh, our week now. This protest continues in the, one of the main highway, Kashmir Highway in Islamabad. And, uh, uh, thousands of people sitting there and uh, you know day and night they are there even because of this cold weather has started there was rain a couple of days ago mm. but they are still there and uh, they are not leaving and uh, you know waiting for their demands to be met and their leadership will be busy in talks with the government uh, this talk, uh, committee right so, so they're daily having session of talks but uh, there's yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, and Islamuddin, I mean, a lot of my listeners, when they hear of these protests happening in Islamabad, they may think that these protests are because Pakistan government hasn't taken sufficient action for Kashmir. Is that the agenda? Is that the reason why they're protesting and sitting in these demonstrations in Islamabad? Is it Kashmir or is it something else? Uh, basically, I think this is the 
As you know that uh, there are around nine uh, opposition political parties are part of this protest, which is leading by Mulana Fundur Rahman. But basically, uh, uh, this is not the first time that uh, they have protested against the government. But since uh, last year, when the general election uh, hold inside the country, so from the first day when the election results were announced, from that time the opposition parties were rejected the election result and they claimed that uh, there are huge ragging uh, happened inside the election and mm. uh, definitely uh, they were blaming uh, the country powerful uh, military establishment as well. Mm. So uh, now basically their protest now they are demanding that uh, Prime Minister Khan should resign and he should uh, announce fresh elections in the country uh, but uh, so far the Prime Minister has refused and he has rejected uh, the opposition that demand that Prime Minister should resign uh, he should uh, announce the fresh election inside the country within three uh, months. So, so that is the main deadlock. And secondly, the opposition parties who uh, presented the three, four main demands before the uh, government uh, uh, committee. So they they basically want that. Uh, uh, there should be election reforms inside the country. There should be investigation about uh, the rigging uh, um, activation of the opposition parties. And the third demand, they are thinking that uh, uh, the opposition parties are also thinking that they would uh, move no competence motion against the prime minister inside the parliament. So these uh, things which are going inside the soundbar and the government is uh, trying his best that they would uh, find out موسیقی are covering this protest uh, mm. in of the Kashmir uh, issue. Right. So uh, they definitely, the opposition parties has affected that uh, moment of Kashmir and that uh, issue which the right. media oh. was covering uh, since last three months. Okay, okay, Islamuddin, there's a lot of interference uh, when we're speaking to you, but I'm, I'm, I'm able to make, make out what you're saying. Let, let me summarize. So we're, we're saying, all right, so uh, the, the, the opposition parties, the, the nine polit- uh, political parties or, or the coalition of all of these opposition parties, they're claiming rigging, they're claiming military intervention or mi- military influence or, or whatever it is. Uh, maybe economies also seems to be, you know, a part of the agenda or, or, or the reasons why they're, uh, they're, they're are protesting anti okay and, and so on and so forth i mean th- th- this is nothing new right this is nothing new when it comes to the people's party pakistan's people's party or whether it comes to nawaz sharif's party etc etc and the military have been doing favors for all of these whether it's molana fazal rahman whether it's the ppp or whether it's nawaz sharif so is it just a case of you know just trying to cause inconvenience here i mean w- what's the real agenda here right what's the real agenda i mean molana fazal Rahman's statement today we have shut down Islamabad today we will shut down the entire country I mean it seems like a very very irresponsible statement from a so-called politician stroke Molana I mean what is that the interest of is that the interest of the opponents of Pakistan or is it, uh, is it in the interest of the Pakistan nation for the country to shut down 
उस्मान साहब Oh yes, this is a. You can say this is a. You know, their agenda is not clear. It is very confusing because uh, you know people have been asking. You know what exactly they demand. Yeah. It's uh, you know elections rigging. It's a very you know traditional kind of uh, allegation. allegation. Yes. Yes. After every election, we have been hearing. You know, this yes. is not something new, and. Uh, you know and again like for everything they mention all the right things okay rigging is there inflation is there people are basically fed up with this uh, you know this uh, inflation and all sort of problems and government is not controlling anything ंगिंग It's all the same, right? So, what what is really driving uh, th- this whole movement? Because yeah, there there is a question a, about the some anti-corruption a, drive deal that's been uh, that they're trying to negotiate. W- w- what are your thoughts on the anti-corruption drive that they're trying to d- make a deal here with the, with the government? Is there something no, truth no, in that? No, that's the problem. They don't come up with any sort of solution. Right. They just want to bring the allegation and you know just to make their point without giving any solution. Mm. And basically, that's the thing. People are not supporting. them there's people who are just their followers they are far from from balochistan from kp and you know from wherever their stronghold is where they have the network network of uh, their religious school yes. and it's not that like genuine public is among them i was in this uh, dharna uh, this uh, sitting which was in the uh, on the main highway of islamabad i didn't see a single person who is from rawalpindi or islamabad or lahore even so all they have is people from kp people who are maybe never uh, been to islamabad before they are here just to you know they brought them here provided them free food and you know not very you know yeah. ideal condition but still because they follow them blindly and they don't have any option and yes. basically they were bust in here and uh, they even some of them can't afford to go back on their own yeah. so they have no option just to but to stay here and uh, that's the reason because and they were most of one one thing i must tell you that the most of the people maybe you can say 60 or 70% of them can't stand urdu so whole thing is basically it's uh, orchestrated you know, nobody is sure what's going on uh, here i mean that doesn't so, so, that, that know, they're that, not giving any solution to no, usman saab that doesn't surprise me at all we know how the the pakistani political parties work it's all paid you know paid individuals volunteers who just come on the streets uh, and are told to come on the streets islamuddin i mean where do we go from here i mean what what's happening next i mean pakistan itself at the moment okay it's been 12 plus months of imran khan government we're seeing the economy in tatters we're seeing taxation you know at a incredible all time high the the poor being taxed at a, at a you know you know at a ridiculous you know amounts right we've seen high inflation we've seen unemployment you know it's not looking positive it's not looking positive at all w- w- what are you making of this w- where does this go from here next i think uh, uh, is uh, currently uh, if we just look to the um, uh, economic situation of pakistan so, uh, in current government especially in the imran khan government everything everything has goes up because the price price hike is there so the people couldn't just wear their 
Delhi expenses. So that is the reason that why Imran Khan is facing such kind of um, uh, uh, situation inside the country. And all the people, I think uh, the common people inside the Pakistan, they, they, if, if, if they are not there in the Modana Fazlir Rahman Satan, but they are supporting his movement. The reason is because the people couldn't hear the current uh, price hike, uh, because most of the people, they are, a lot of new taxes that been imposed by Imran Khan government and secondly after the IMF deal, right. everything has uh, just like electricity, the gas, and everything has grown off inside the country. So that is the reason that uh, the people couldn't bear, and they want uh, that uh, uh, this government should be changed. But the main reason that the next anyone, at any political leader, he will come uh, and, uh, and the government, he would not be able to just... Uh, uh, sustain uh, the situation and they bring some real right. uh, reforms inside the country. So I think this is a very big issue in Pakistan. Uh, uh, this will be a very big issue for the next government as well. Okay, Islamuddin, I, I, I hear that. Okay, it was a bit in, 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 in a few interruptions, but I think I got I got your uh, gist of your message right. I mean, we also have Asad Mahmood, who is, is from the Office of International Chapters of PTI, uh, based here in the UK, listening for the last couple of minutes. Asad Mahmood, I'm, I'm not hearing a very positive reflection of the Imran Khan government at the moment it seems seems that we're at, we're, at a, we're we're struggling seems we're struggling economically we seems we're struggling uh, politically at the moment here in Islamabad it, it seems like uh, not seems like but it's very clear in terms of taxation deflation of, of the rupee uh, we've got a quite a bit of crisis on our hands uh, uh, what, what do you make of it Asad Sab? Um, I mean First of all, I listen to the two gentlemen as well, and with regards to your questions, of course we're going to have problems because we just had 60 years of inept, corrupt, and ineffective government. So of course there is going to be a problem. But Asad, how, how long? How long? How long are we going to be? Year. How long are we so, going to be saying that for? What, good question. How long? Well, how long are these people who are keep disrupting us? So, for example, uh, the other gentleman was talking about Pozhuman. He was right. This person doesn't have an agenda. He doesn't have nothing. Like he, he has no idea what he, why he's protesting and what, why, what's the reason he's there for. So we have these disruptions over and over again, and yeah. it's just not. So one example I'll give you. But but Asad Mahmood Sab, sorry Asad Mahmood Sab, they want all up in the arms. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my only point there was, Asa Mahmoud, is, you know, you're saying they are interrupting your government, but Imran Khan, a year ago, two years ago, was doing exactly the same to the previous government with his with his own peace, you know, march. And, with an agenda. Right. You see, that's, you have to understand, there's a, there's a massive, you know, misinformation campaign going on in Pakistan, and it's deliberately targeted with an agenda propaganda. So what mm. Imran Khan did back in 2014, there was a step-by-step -step procedure. He went through to the court, he went to the election commission, he kept on, you know, he, he brought in the assembly. But this guy who's on the street, he's not even elected, he's been out of the parliament. Every single person knows why he's doing it in terms of his own self-satisfying agenda. He's, it's just beyond belief. But, but, uh, but Asad correct me if I'm wrong, was he not an ally of Imran Khan not too long ago? No, of course not. Who, who, he has never been. That was the other party, Jamaat Islami, no. not him. Okay. We've always criticized him. Yeah. He's never been in the picture. So this, the 12th man to call Imran Khan, comes in, tries to disrupt 
you know, of all the changes that have been made. So mm. to retrace the point, now the problem is this: that the old, the previous bureaucracy and the government, you know, they've messed up the system completely. I mean, I've been having meetings with some of the um, junior uh, ministers who actually informed me that the mess that they've created is unbelievable. You know. Um, I don't need to listen to uh, Salim Safi's interview with Hassan Nisar the other day. He, just before he went to the break, he, you know where he goes? He goes, um, you know, I have to take a break, but because of my our financial, our company's financial situation. Now, he said it in a joking way, but that tells you something. He never said that before. That tells you right. that because of the adverse that government of Pakistan have. Right, right. Uh we've got four minutes, right? Yes, we've we got four minutes and I, I need to wrap this up, right? So, I've, unfortunately, I've just lost Usman Zahid, who's the BBC Pakistan producer. So, I'm going to go to Islamuddin. Islamuddin. Islamuddin, where do we go next here with this impasse, right? Uh, with Molana Fazal Rahman and, and all the other political parties who are supporting him. It's not just one individual. It's a coalition of all the other political parties also joining hands against Imran Khan. It seems like, you know, democracy is not working at the moment in Pakistan. Pakistan. How long will the military, you know, kind of stand back and and, uh, and 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 witness this? And when does the military move in? What happens next? What, 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 how are you reading in, into this, Islamuddin? I think the military would not be interfere in the current uh, situation because if they will go to uh, just uh, if there are clashes between the government and the opposition party. So I th I don't think that the military will uh, just uh, um, uh, interfere in such kind of uh, situation. But definitely it, it is also very difficult for the opposition party to continue uh, their protest because the weather has completely changed inside the tower. It's too much cold. So uh, so they are also facing this uh, this issue. But uh, uh, now the, some uh, other opposition parties, for, for example, the, for, the former uh, Prime Minister Shujaat Hussain, and such kind of, uh, uh, of uh, leaders are trying mm. to uh, find out some middle way between the government and the opposition. And I think the issue probably, hopefully, it will be resolved within the next uh, right. uh, four or five days. Right, because right. Uh, things are going towards the positive side. So I think it will okay. be uh, ended maybe in next week. Okay, thank you very much, Islamuddin. Thank you very much for joining us. I want to go to Uslam Osman Zahid Sahib. Oh. You know, last final question for you, Osman Sahib. Sorry, we lost you for a, for a moment. I mean, with the country so vulnerable no with the country so vulnerable at the moment economically politically uh, you know with these you know peace march demonstrations happening i mean we're very vulnerable to you know external you know you know you know you know to use a better word you know enemies right uh, it doesn't it doesn't spell good for for pakistan or you know how do you read into that uh, usman sahab well, that's the problem. Basically, you know, this all these uh, opposition parties, basically, they are always, uh, they are here just uh, on the hope that our, their uh, protest will be, will get some support from uh, establishment and from army. That was their only hope that they brought, uh, which brought them here. And uh, since they, I mean, they got very cold response from them and that's where they've become like a hopeless. It's not like a... Uh, you know the uh, the bad economic situation or other issues which are uh, basically brought them here. But all they want is basically support uh, 
uh, and uh, you know some any 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 indication that okay army is uh, going to topple this uh, government and they right. don't want in Rajasthan right. anymore right so, so that was the reason basically of this whole this protest right usman sir very quickly you're in lahore i mean what, what are the general sentiments of the people at the moment with the taxation with 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 the, with the economic situation with kashmir at the moment what, what is the the sentiments that you're you're experiencing uh, first hand from the people on the streets in lahore islamabad etc very quickly if you can just give me a 30 minute a 30 second summary well, when we speak to people basically they they think it's uh, everything is not uh, in ideal situation like you know economy is not good mm. the overall kashmir uh, situation is like quite confusing for people why to what exactly government of pakistan will do from, uh, as a next step and uh, you know they are uh, not uh, very happy with overall performance right. of the government but at the meantime they don't want any any disturbance they want him to continue for some time at right. least to maybe another year or so so that he can right. maybe produce some result from uh, you know his osman uh, osman yeah. zaiza bbc pakistan produce thank you very much for joining us again on friday night live thank you very much unfortunately we've run out of time osman sab okay jazakallah here and and as a sab a last question for you i mean it seems you were saying earlier molana fazlur rahman doesn't have an agenda uh, it looks it seems like the people of pakistan are confused and the government doesn't have an agenda when it comes to kashmir what's next what's next for the economy i mean you keep citing the 60 years of rule okay it's been 12 plus months for pakistan ibran khan's government we've done exactly what we said we're not going to be doing what's the what's on the agenda for the PTI government when it comes to kashmir when it comes to economy next uh, asad sab can you can you shed some light yeah sure i mean first of all let's take this one by one It's you got 30 seconds asad sab unfortunately um okay so i'll just be quick in terms of the agenda for mulana for roman there is none he just wants resignation like that for what, what's what's imran khan's agenda for uh, kashmir uh, asad sab that's the question extremely clear it's been clear on un state and uh, the speech they conducted which was to you know liberate uh, kashmir give them the according to the un liberate kashmir how are we going to liberate kashmir uh, asad sab well um politically diplomatically right. economically we are working okay. on every single platform and so how I long will it take to to, to to turn the economy around very, very quickly five seconds uh, asad sab well we've been destroyed for 60 years so we've only been given surely you don't want 60 years so to build far. it up of course not what, what i'm saying is a comparison that Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me Hafiz Shaban on this Friday evening on the 8th of November 2019. Uh, alhamdulillah good conversation earlier first half an hour we were discussing the protests in Pakistan and trying to make a sense of what's happening in Islamabad at the moment what is the agenda of those who are protesting uh, and uh, trying to get some clarity around that okay uh, so the second half an hour we are here now fast into the second part of the first half an hour inshallah ta'ala and early I mentioned it's uh, of course Rabiul Awwal and Rabiul Awwal of course is associated with the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so we're going to be covering that I want I want to get some input and some contribution from our listeners 01582481822 either on the earlier topic that we discussed 
or this topic that we're about to discuss right now, right? 0779481822 is the number for your social media messages. Now, I know passions get very high when it comes to discussing this topic. Uh, and if those passions are very high when it comes to the message of Allah sallallahu alaihi fantastic, right? Because we should have a lot of passion when it comes to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi but I think our passions need to be guided, right? Our emotions need to be guided and we, our understanding needs to be guided. And I think that's what we're going to try to do in the next half an hour, inshallah ta'ala. And to, and to help us, we've got a couple of guests here in the studio, inshallah ta'ala, uh, that we're going to be interacting and we're going to be discussing this subject matter with. And we're, we're not interested in the debate, right? So let's let's not get into the debate of should we be doing mawlid or should we not be doing mawlid? That's not the, the focus of the discussion, right? And I know uh, still I see a lot of messages of why we should be doing the molid, why we shouldn't be doing the molid, but are we missing the real point here, right? Are we missing the real point here? So let, let, let me go to our experts that we've got in the studio, inshallah. So let me introduce our guests in, in, the, in, in the studio that we've got. So firstly, we've got uh, Sheikh Ahmed Al-Nashash from the Islamic Center. So assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh to you, Sheikh. Mashallah, they're of course the presenter of Tadabbar al-Quran uh, every Monday from uh, from 5 p.m. I also happen to pray my uh, Juma khutbah today in uh, Juma, my Juma Salah in Islamic Center, mashallah. So I, I listened to your, to your khutbah and the khutbah, of course, was on this subject matter. I'm, I'm sure a lot of the khutbahs today would have been on this subject, uh, on this yes. subject matter. Alhamdulillah. And we've also got uh, Imam of uh, Hockwell Ring Masjid, uh, uh, Brother Masmur Ar-Rahman. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. And also the presenter of the Islamic Perspective Wednesdays here in, on, uh, in Spy FM uh, at 10 a.m. Right. So, you know, I, 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 we want to cover this topic. And uh, Sheikh Ahmed, of course, you discussed this in your khutbah today, mashallah. And that was a very important point. I mean, I, I really like the khutbah firstly, mashallah. Jazakallah khair for, for that. And I'm sure may Allah reward you for that. The key thing is, let's not get into the debate of Mawlid or not Mawlid. Key thing is the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, right? And the key thing is, is the message of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his status amongst the Muslims, right? His mission that he brought to, to humanity and, and for this Ummah and the legacy that he needs to continue, right? So I want to, uh, to address this subject from two or three different perspectives like I've just outlined. And I want to start off by reminding our listeners on the obligation of loving the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu because sometimes you know people have emotion for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam but what, what is the obligation you know is it an obligation to love the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam where is that the evidence of it being an obligation Let, let's just clarify that for our listeners Now loving the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is an obligation and this is clear in the Quran in many places I'll choose <coughs> only one ayah, which is in Surah Al-Imran, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِ يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ Say, if you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then follow me, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love you and forgive your sin, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most forgiving and the most merciful. So here we can see in this ayah clearly, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us what is the path to attain the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because, of course, there are many people claiming that they, are, they love Allah, they love the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala giving us here how you uh, put this in practice. Mm. So if you'd like to put 
this in practice that you are, are loving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the way is this. Follow the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And following the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam means following the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu And we know the sunnah means what the Nabi sallallahu did, what he said, and what he approved. Right. All these things yeah. that must, must be followed. So the ayah is saying, if you follow Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the reward that you will have is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love you. Right. So let, let, let me just stop you there. So we're saying it's an obligation to love the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And in terms of loving the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, do I just love him? You know, I, I get the point you're saying. It's not just lip service and you've gone on to the next subject. We'll come on to that. But do I just love him like I love my wife or I love my, love my parents or love my children? Uh, I, like I love my wealth? I love, or is it more than just that love? Yes. Love the Prophet explained in other ayahs mm. because Ya Yuladina Amanu Atiyu Allah wa Atiyu Rasul. O you who believe, mm. obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obey the Prophet. Yeah. So means that the love here, uh, the ayah said follow, yes. and the following means the obedience. Yes. That you must obey the Prophet because you cannot say, I love the Prophet, then you are doing something against his sunnah. Mm. This is contrary, it yes. doesn't work. And this is why, as you said earlier, you will have the, this debate that Maulid or not Maulid. Mm. And uh, because really, if you'd like to the Prophet, this must be part of your life. Right, right, right. Not only yes. you remember that yes. uh, on the 12th of Rabi' al Awal, yes. then yes. the other days you are in different. Yes. On, or following different way right. of, of life. Okay, so let, let, let's bring in uh, the, our other guests in the studio. Uh, sh- uh, Imam Masum. You had a long day, brother. Is it Masum? Masum Rahman. The spelling here is not very good. I blame it on the production team here. They should have written in Arabic. You can read Arabic. Yeah, exactly. would have been easier for me. Okay, same question to you. I mean, it reminds me of, you know, it reminds me of uh, Father's Day or Mother's Day, right? Yeah. Uh, the whole year, if you're disobedient to your parents, yeah. you know, you're not respecting them, you say, I love my parents, right? And then on, on Mother's Day, yeah. I go give a, a yeah. bunch of flowers to my mother. I mean, this is not love of, yeah. of, of, of one's mother, right? Yeah, okay. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Jazakallah khair for the opportunity, first of all. Uh, just want to take off where Sheikh, uh, what he mentioned. Uh, you will find people who have this sort of love. It's actually kind of a, it's a superficial love. Um, people who really study the Prophet's life in detail and they have a sense of high iman. They love the Prophet every other day anyway and they always endeavor to um, to practice what he has taught, his lifestyle. Um, but people who are contrary I would say not religious or they of course they're born Muslims and that's more f- coming from culture than than the actual conviction of their faith because culturally they've been brought up that you got to love the prophet so I think we need to um, so those who um, those who love the prophet in that manner and those who, uh, who who are against it or those who are who love the prophet every other day and they I think we need to distinguish between am I loving the prophet culturally or am I loving the Prophet with full conviction mm. of my faith? Mm. So that's the point I would, yeah. yeah. Go, go straight to, uh, back to Sheikh Ahmed uh, uh, Nishash. Alright, so 
you went to the next point, which was what is the real love of the of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, right? Uh, so we're saying you have to have the love, which is the emotional attachment to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and this you know the people manifest this through saying that they love the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam through poetry, through nasheed, uh, through through so many different ways, right? So we we can show that we love the Messenger of Allah, and this, this is. Positive, you know, positive show of love of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But that's not where it stops at, does it? Yeah. I mean, that's just one aspect of it, and that's a, a partial aspect of it. It's still important. We gotta have the emotional element and attachment to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But that is not real love, is it? Yeah, the real love is, <clears throat> as Allah subhanahu wa taala explained in, in, in the Quran, that <clears throat> that you should translate this love into action. And uh, in our life, uh, we can say anyone can say to his to his wife, "I love you so much." But when uh, she asks him for something, say, "No, I, I don't. I cannot do this. I cannot do that. I cannot do that." They should say, "Where is this love? I'd like, you know, to see this love working in my life." Yes. And this is how we should express our love to Prophet Muhammad So this is why I'm saying that. <clears throat> As a true believer, uh, as a follower of Muhammad wasalam, my love to the Prophet wasalam, started f- starting from the minute I wake up. Mm. So when I wake up and say, Alhamdulillah, why I'm saying this? Mm. Because I'm following the Prophet mm. This means that I love him. Mm. If I don't love him, why I am saying the dhikr that he said, mm. say this dhikr particularly. Mm. Then I go make wudu. According to the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu because yes. he showed us how to make the wudu. Yes. Then I pray the Sunnah. Yes. Look, Fajr, you pray the Sunnah before the yes. Fard. Yes. So, in a way, you are showing the love of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the first thing in the morning. Yes. You pray the Sunnah, then you pray for the Fard, and even the Salah, you are following the Prophet Sallallahu because yes. he said, Sallu kama ra'aytumuni salli. Pray yes. as you have me see me uh, yes. praying. Yes. You said, doing your adhkar and all of this. So then you continue your, your day and you must try it your, during your day mm. to follow the steps of Muhammad alayhi salatu mm. And this is why the Sahaba, alayhim, in, in their following the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam, used to even, uh, some of them like Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma, he was telling a hadith and while he's telling the hadith, he smiled. They said to him, why you smile? Because when the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that, this hadith, he smiled. Allahu Akbar. <laughs> to this extent. So because really the love of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was real in their, in their hearts. And they are expressing this and they understand this. Yani Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala ordered us. For example. Ya ayuhaladzina inna Allahumma la'iktu yusalluna ala Nabi. Ya ayuhaladzina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu tislima. Subhanallah. Now, this is an order from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is an expression of the love. Because when every time I mention the name of the Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam, I say, sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa alayhi wa Muhammad. When every time, this shows the love of the Prophet alayhi salatu wa sallam. And also I am thinking about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the highest level of thinking. He is... Controlling my mind, he mm. is sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Yeah. He's the one who directs yeah. 
my way of yes. life. Right. Okay. All right. Jazakallah, Sheikh, for that. Uh, I think that that adds a, a lot of clarity there to to defining love. Right. So love is not something which is just generic, abstract. You know, like you know, uh, sometimes we hear in other faiths, you just gotta love. But what does it mean, love? Right. Let's define what love means. Let's be very specific because Islam doesn't leave it generic. So now we're saying love actually means itiba. It means following the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Right. So my question to Maulana Masoom Rahman is right. Is why is it the fact that you know people you know love to say that, but when it comes to following the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu that's where we find that the gaps. That's where we find the deficiency. Is that just inevitable? Is it because it's more difficult? Or is it because just genuinely there's there's a gap of understanding? What do you, what do you think? What are the reasons? Oh, okay. Uh. It's a it's a tough question, but I think um, the jihad on nafs. Remember the when the companions came after they performed jihad, and and the Prophet said there is a greater jihad now, and that's the jihad of nafs. So it's really like to tame, because you got to sometimes you got to force yourself. Uh, a lot of the times. Um, uh, you don't want to do it because you're just so tired. But you said, you know what, the Prophet ﷺ did it. That's why I'm going to do it. So you have to f- really force yourself into acting, um, like forgiving the forgiveness of the Prophet ﷺ. I was just listening to uh, 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 he's do- he's doing his PhD in the States at the moment, um, uh, Dr. Mirza Ghalib, and he gave a uh, a very short talk on the prof- forgiveness of the Prophet. And he said, uh, it's actually a true art. Uh, you have to you have to learn how to master this. It's not it won't just come naturally. Even forgiveness, something that we just think is abstract, something that we think it's really like metaphysical and um, it differs person to person. But that also, in, you need to learn it. You need to learn how to love. You need to learn how to. Um, so like what you what we've been discussing just before the example of the wife and um, these things people have to learn love is not just you love that's superficial love is actually you need to translate that love that's what and that you need to do with force because sometimes you don't want to do it so it's the jihad of nafs uh, that's interesting, Mona. Jazakallah uh, for that. I, I know you have to go, so I, I don't know if you if you. I don't g- much of the time, but yeah, carry on, inshallah. Okay, okay, alhamdulillah. All right, so so let me go back to uh, Sheikh Ahmed and uh, uh, continue this discussion. Discussion. I mean, the point that I was asking earlier is that, you know, of course, it's easier to say something and more difficult to do it. That that's the obvious thing, isn't it? I mean, look look look. The point is forgiveness of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi of the forgiveness of Abu Bakr, or you know, I mean, Subhana. How can you attain those levels? We can't forgive one another when it comes to small matters, right? Uh, you know, when it comes to giving in the in the name of Allah. I mean, the examples you gave in the khutbah today. What well, one of the Sahaba worked for the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi for ten years, and in the ten years, the Prophet sallallahu never asked him or never questioned him. Why did you do something? Why didn't you do something? I mean, it's it's almost humanly impossible That's for, for me and you it's humanly impossible for us to do that right so i don't want that shouldn't be an excuse should it it shouldn't be an excuse and and almost it becomes an excuse for us that or oh, we it's lip service but because it's difficult to follow the messenger of allah sallam, then we're not gonna or we're gonna we're gonna almost wash our hands away from it so what's your advice for for, for, for you, those attitudes when you look at many things in, in islam you'll find that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes us as muslims all the time to have high ambitions look at uh, this ayah 
So you know this because I know you said Arabic. Akram and Atqa is Af'al Tafdil. So means this the highest level of karam, the highest level of taqwa. Means that as a as a believer, you don't stop on being kareem or taqi. No. no, you need to strive to be al-akram no. as a human being, al-atqa as a human being. The same with the following the Prophet ﷺ. So when you put this in your mind that I'd like to adjust my life to follow the Prophet ﷺ, this is the highest ambition, that I'd like to study his sunnah so I can, as I said in the khutbah today, choose a chapter of Riyadh al-Salihin about the manners of the Prophet ﷺ, how he used to eat, how he used to drink, how he used to uh, deal with the, the Sahaba, how he used to uh, manage his anger, how he was tawadu, uh, humble, and all of these things, and say, okay, this chapter of Riyadh Salihin, or Sahih Muslim, or Sahih Bukhari, I'd like to start now following this. So, the example I said also today, when the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was injured in Uhud and the people came and said to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, curse them. And the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, instead of this, he said, I haven't been sent as the one to curse. Then he made a beautiful dua to them. Three words, which is no one in the world can say these words against his enemy. I challenge that no one in the history said these words against or in, to his enemy. He said first, Allahumma, he prayed for them. Then he said, Qawmi. He didn't dis- detach himself from them. He said, I'm still one of them. And he found an excuse for them. They don't know. Now, if we are just this little thing, started to think about it, when, he ha- when we have a dispute with our wives, so we don't say, I don't want you, go away. Because she's, your, she's still your wife. Or with the daughter or the son. Or the, then, when you have a dispute, make dua for the person. How many of us really thinks about this beautiful example of the Prophet Sallallahu you, di- you dispute with the person, you said, oh Allah, forgive him. Oh Allah, forgive her. Oh Allah, guide him. Guide her. Look how beautiful the teaching of the Prophet Sallallahu just to put it. And how many problems the, this way of uh, managing the anger. You know, they are making courses of anger management and these things. Here is the best yeah. anger management in the Prophet Sallallahu teaching us. Uh, Sheikh, I, I want to ask you, right? I mean, look, as an individual, all right? We're discussing these lofty ideas and ideals, right? As an individual, I struggle. I struggle. A lot of my listeners will be saying that they struggle. Where do you start from? I mean, I mean, okay, the ideal, you, you said, here's the ideal. Here's the, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا Excellent example. We want to follow that. And it's very, very difficult to follow this example. Where do we start from then, right? So you're saying, practically, start looking at the life of the Prophet Sallallahu in, in these different aspects and start to, you know, try to start molding your behavior, molding your emotions, molding your anger, molding, you know, your actions in line with, with that. Is that what we're saying? And then constantly reminding yourself because, you know, we're constantly failing, aren't we, as, a, as an individual to try to live up to those lofty ideals? 
Yes. The first thing is the belief. So mm-hmm. I have to believe that Muhammad Sallallahu is the best example. No. I have to believe in this. No. Something to be in my mind, in my heart, mm. without without a question. Mm. Then I need the knowledge. No. We know the knowledge is فَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Know that no. there no. is no God worthy no. of worship but no. Allah subhanahu no. And then I have, as I said earlier, to have the high ambition. No. That my ambition is I'd like to put the life of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in my life. To make no. it alive in my life and start bit by bit that okay in Nabi Sallallahu he said when it comes to anger لا تغضب, don't be angry okay I'll start to follow this I try to reduce my anger I start to learn mm-hmm. uh, make wudu uh, if I am standing sit down if I am uh, sitting down lay down mm-hmm. make wudu maybe leave the place mm-hmm. all these things mm-hmm. uh, But I need to do all of these things mm. for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, he made a guarantee. He said, وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِينَا لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُلُنَا When you struggle with no. yourself, no. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will guide you, will no. give you the help no. and support. No. So when you start doing all these things, you would like to follow the manhaj of the Prophet sallallahu for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only. No. And definitely you will struggle. No, no. But <clears throat> when your intention is sincere and you are doing this only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you the thing. And you do it bit by bit, but as they say, slowly but steadily. Okay, inshallah, we're fast running out of time. A couple of minutes left. And I wanted to ask you a last question about, you know, continuing the legacy of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, right? I mean, this is a huge amana on this ummah of, of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, which is to continue the legacy, continue the work, the mission of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And this is part of the loving of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Maybe a couple of words on, on our responsibility as an ummah with regards to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Yes, I think... The message that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Muhammad sallallahu with, definitely it is, it is a message that doable and uh, we must believe all the time that we can apply it in our life. And because we are living in a non-Muslim country here or in the whole Europe, so we need to uh, present to the people that we are dealing with all these beautiful things that we learned about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. There are many people, they don't know who is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa So this is our duty as ummah. We have to follow him sallallahu alayhi wasallam ourselves. Then why we don't talk to the people about Muhammad alayhi salatu wasallam? Talk about his generosity, talk about his kindness, talk about how he dealt with his enemies, with his friends, with his sahaba, with his wives, with the people that work for him. All these things will make the people thinking again about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and change the minds of the people because there is misconception about Muhammad sallallahu There are people trying to uh, give black picture no. about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Islam. This is our duty 
to give the right picture and the right image about Nabina Muhammad Barakallah Fik Sheikh, I would love to uh, continue discussing with you uh, for another half an hour. <laughs> but unfortunately, we're gonna we're just about to go into a commercial break, uh, and I'm gonna try to summarize what we've been discussing. Uh, so, inshallah ta'ala, I, I but firstly, I want to just say Jazakallah for, for your time this evening. I know you're very busy, mashallah. Well, just very quickly, I mean, if someone wants to listen to the khutbah that you gave, is it available on on the website? Yeah, it, will, or? it will be available in uh, Luton Islamic Center uh, website. YouTube. So, I, I I I would definitely recommend that to our listeners uh, Islamic Center Luton Islamic Center YouTube uh, channel uh, the khutbah of uh, Sheikh Ahmed and Nishaz today was on Rabiul Awal and also the correct understanding of loving the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the true you know message of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam I do recommend to our listeners that they listen to that khutbah for a more in-depth you know uh, lecture on on this subject matter but unfortunately we, we've run out of time but jazakallah and Sheikh for Barakallah. for coming on this very cold evening uh, into the studio again once again jazakallah Sheikh Barakallah. Listeners, that was uh, Shaykh Ahmed and Nishad from uh, Luton Islamic Center uh, shedding light on uh, loving the Messenger of Allah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We're going to go into a commercial break when we're back, inshallah, in a couple of minutes. We'll be continuing with the show, and it's an hour to go. Uh, don't go away until then. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Assalamu alaikum. This is Atif Nawaz. Listen to Inspire FM shows in your time by heading over to inspirefm.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back to Friday Night Live with me, Hafi Shaban, on this Friday, the 8th of November evening. Broadcasting live from Inspire FM Studios here in Luton on 105.1 FM, 01582 01582481822, 0779481822. Uh, please do get in touch, get involved with the debate, with the discussion this evening. First hour, subhanAllah, is already gone, and we were discussing two very 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 important subject matters the last subject matter let me let me start with that uh, and that was uh, the love of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam Rabiul Awwal right Rabiul Awwal is a month which we associate with the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam for obvious reasons the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was indeed born in this month so it's, so it's a great month uh, and a lot of us you know use this month as a, as an opportunity to uh, express our love for the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam verbally right orally right so we say that we love the messenger of Allah you know we, we participate in, in a number of gatherings but you know it's interesting for us to just take it take a, a moment and reflect upon what is the true meaning of love right because Islam doesn't leave the meaning of love to an abstract expression to a statement to mere words and to something which is very general and generic rather Islam defines the love and that is what we were discussing and Jazakallah here and to our sheikhs who were here in the studio very kind of them to come into the studio to help clarify that right help clarify that and that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala defined the loving of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the ittiba' of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi in the following of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam so the loving is not a verbal expression only it's following the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and following him in all aspects like right he is the excellent example in all aspects of life in your 
private you know matters in your domestic matters in your relationship to with your wives in the relationship with your with your children with your parents in society when it comes to not only the private and and almost kind of ibadat the elements of ibadat but also muamalat when it comes to dealing with one another when it comes to transactions when it comes to the way we do business with one another when it comes to economy when it comes to the social policy whether it comes to foreign affairs we go back to the messenger the example of the messenger of allah sallallahu and that is our source of of legislation that is our source of inspiration and that is when we're following the messenger of allah sallallahu in all aspects of our life that is the manifestation of the love of the Messenger of Allah And that is what Shaykh Ahmed was, was summarizing and saying is that from the waking up in the morning to the going to the bed in the evening, it's a continuous cycle every day of the year, 365 days in the year. Right. Uh, the first half an hour we were discussing about the protests against Imran Khan currently ongoing in Islamabad uh, and we had some fantastic guests discussing that subject matter. So these are interesting subject matters and I'm surprised I haven't heard from my listeners. So I want to hear from you 01582 Right, so we're going to be moving on to the next subject. So whilst I do move on to the next subject matter, right, if you want to express your feelings, if you want to express your thoughts on Rabi level, uh, on loving of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, or whether you want to express your sentiments and your thoughts on the protest against Imran Khan in Islamabad at the moment, then feel free to do that. 0779-481-822. But I am going to move on to the next story. Uh, and the next story is an interesting one. It's caught my uh, eye and it's caught my attention for a number of reasons. A, I, I also work in finance uh, B is also a big story in, in the world of finance and uh, uh, financial services right and, and it's a big story generally it involves Saudi Arabia right and it involves one of the biggest companies in the one of the biggest companies or at least one of the pro- most profitable companies in the world and that's Saudi Aramco now Saudi Aramco a lot of you might be thinking I mean what on earth is or who on earth is Saudi Aramco but Saudi Aramco which is one of the Saudi you know firms you know we officially the Saudi Arabian oil company right so think of it as the oil company of Saudi Arabia now you know how much oil Saudi Arabia has got to put it in layman's term loads of oil loads and loads and loads of oil so it's not surprising it's one of the most profitable firms in the world you don't have to do much right you're sitting on uh, bucket loads of oil so automatically you would think that you're gonna be one of the most profitable companies in the world now Saudi Aramco has recently announced, or and it's been announcing for a while, that it's going to start. Set, it's going to go public. Go public meaning it's going to start selling shares in its company to private invest, uh, investors. So pr- previously, it was of course owned or jointly owned by the Saudi government and plus one of the American firms. If I if I've got my facts correct, right? Uh, later, Saudi Arabia bought the whole of the company, and now Saudi wants to sell this company, which of course is the Saudi. Arabia Arabian oil company uh, technically the, the oil doesn't also belong potentially to Saudi it's 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 a resource which belongs to the Muslims quote unquote can be a bit controversial in the current context of discussions uh, and it's trying to sell that oil and it's trying to sell this company uh, to private investors right let, let's bring on a, an expert who's going to ha- make sense of it for me and you hopefully in a lot more eloquent and a simplistic way than I am possibly doing for my listeners. Uh, we have got uh, brother Farouk Latif. Right, let me just give you a quick uh, introduction to the brother. Uh, brother Farouk Latif 
is a PhD student in economics, mashallah. Also, uh, previously, I believe, uh, PhD in economics, uh, Cambridge graduate, mashallah. Now, an imperial lecturer in something to do with economics. I'm going to leave it to that. And also, an author, mashallah, on comparative economics. So, a guy who's got a lot of, a lot of expertise, mashallah, to help us understand this subject matter. Brother Farooq Latif, assalamu alaikum, and welcome to Friday Night Live. Jazakallah for having me. Uh, for your time this evening, and, and of course, at very short notice, great to to have an expert like yourself with us, joining wow. us on, on this radio, inshallah ta'ala. All right, so uh, to help us, uh, you know, a lot of my listeners are probably not as uh, you know well acquainted with finance as, as yourself. Uh, so help us understand what Saudi Arabia uh, and Saudi Aramco specifically is trying to do when it's saying that the world's most profitable company is to go public. What does that mean? So, uh, first of all, we need to understand what really happened. I mean, uh, right. recently, some recent sort of news broke out that uh, Aramco, which is basically, as you said, rightly mentioned, sort of Saudi's uh, jewel, if you like, the crown jewel of Saudi Arabia, uh, they're planning to list it on the uh, exchange market, so the stock exchange market, um, yeah. basically to sell some shares in the company. Hmm. Um, now, to get a better understanding of this, I think we need to understand what Aramco is. Um, it's a Saudi Arabian oil company, so it's basically owned by the government. Uh, mm. It was basically used to be very tightly linked to Standard Oil, which was a monopoly uh, in the United States. And uh, what the United States effectively did was basically merge it with uh, Saudi Arabia's own oil company. And um, it's mainly a tool, if you like, if you're looking politically speaking, for the United States to influence oil prices uh, around the world due to the high sort of uh, monopolies or traits that Aramco has. Mm. So Aramco is a government mainly led institution and uh, Saudi wants to effectively sell shares in that company. Right. Now the reason why it wants to sell shares um, and it's doing this by an IPO, and you're mm. going to hear that word quite often in the in the media. An IPO is basically a type of sort of public uh, mm. offering. It's when a company wants to go effectively live uh, in the market, it basically sells or basically creates an IPO, which is like almost a ticket to get into the uh, stock market yeah. so that basically people can buy shares in your company. So. Mm. Saudi Arabia is basically listing this IPO. The problem with IPOs is that they require some pre-evaluation. You need to understand what value the company mm. is at. Yeah. So the whole discussion at the moment is whether or not Saudi is going to get a lot of bang for its buck when it comes to selling a share yeah. in their company. Mm. Um, and the whole discussion is about speculation about right. you know, what the price of this share right. is going to be. So, so, so let's just take it one step at a time. So... So, so hang on. Are, are we saying, in in effect, then that Saudi is selling its oil to private investors, and and that will become privatized? Um. Well, precisely. Well, in that sense, yes. So we're saying mm. that basically Saudi is selling off shares to private investors around the world who have mm. enough money to pay for it, mm. um, to generate money from this private services that it owns at the moment. Mm. Now, uh, one of the main most behind this, according to many political analysts today, is that Mohammed bin Salman, who obviously is trying to 
basically decentralize uh, or diversify the Saudi economy because mm. unfortunately, uh, and this is perhaps indicative of the extreme myopia of some of the rulers today, Saudi is heavily contingent on revenues from oil. Uh, most of its economy is basically largely dependent on this resource in order to profit. Uh, the amount for which they can break even is also very high. So they lost a lot of money when oil prices basically took a deep dive in 2014, yeah. 2015. Mm. And it created some shocks to them, which basically made them realize that they need to effectively try and move their economy away from one single domestic resource. So mm. Saudi by listing their Aramco on the IP, uh, with an IPO on the stock market, mm. it signals to everybody around the world that this government is trying to alleviate some of the systemic problems that its economy is facing at the moment. Mm. The very interesting thing is, is when you look at who is actually buying these uh, IPOs and who is actually very interested in them. Yeah, and but but, but even like even before we get there, uh, Farouk, uh, if, if I may interject, right? Mm-hmm. Before we get there, uh, okay, let's get on to the IPO and let's get on to whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, uh, and who are the people that are going to be buying that, right? In, in effect, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I want to even look at uh, the, uh, before that, which is, I mean, is this a, a some kind of a, a, strate- a strategic kind of a, a you know a strategy of a long term mm-hmm. strategy? Or is it desperate measures for, from the Saudi state? And I'll and I tell you why I say that, right? And so I've got a lot of friends, you know, in, in Saudi, working in Saudi. Uh, you know, we all know that, you know, like you said, the, the oil prices have been plummeting for a long time. Uh, you know, there, there's no big brains that have gone behind, you know, Saudi Aramco for a long time, right? I, like I said, I mean, it's just oil sitting under, your gra- under, under, under the ground and you're just making money out of something that Allah has blessed you with, right? Uh, and then you've got That's this... Right crazy you know kind of a transition that's going on i mean i call it crazy some people might think it's a great transition that's going on where K- mm-hmm. K- you know saudi's got this vision 2030 you know we've got the liberalization of the saudi society we've got all sorts mm. of things happening aj is fighting in a, in a couple of weeks time in in, in jeddah and we've got loads of money being spent ex- left mm-hmm. right and center a lot of money's been squandered and and the price is slummed um, mm. uh, is, is this a panic mode? Is this a panic, you know, a reaction? Uh, I, I you, you, what's happening? I think, first of all, we have to take a look at this from a political perspective and mm. not just purely an economic one. Yeah. Um, strategy implies some foresight, some look into the future yeah. and to make decisions with great planning. Yeah. Look at the nature of the decisions that are being made by Mohammed bin Salman. Hmm. They uh, they are clearly uh, a desperate measure trying to basically fix a broken economy that hmm. has not served the people that well, and going into the future will have a number of problems. Hmm. However, um, I mean, the point is linked to what I wish to mention later, which is that this coincides very nicely with some of the foreign interests within Saudi's Aramco industry, which oh. indicates the fact that actually there's no strategy at all behind it, but this is a, a, a very uh, pushed uh, attempt by, for instance, Western uh, regimes to try and get Saudi to basically sell their IPOs uh, for their benefit. So I would say that far from strategy, this is uh, explicit uh, conformity by Mohammed bin Salman in order to mm. basically sell off shares in their domestic company for the benefit of not the Muslim Ummah, but certain big stakeholders right. within right. the global economy. Right. Today. So we, 
Okay, so that that's that's a very interesting point, right? That's a very interesting point because, you know, you know the lay layman or the you know my average listener, you know, in Luton, in Nottingham, mm. you know, in in Peterborough, mm-hmm. in Sheffield, they're going to be listening to this and they're going to be thinking, surely this is a great idea. They're going to be selling off the you know mm. uh, Saudi oil. Well, I, I'm not sure if they're going to be thinking it's a great idea because at the moment, to be honest with you, even without selling off you, you know your your oil and 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 the oil company, right? You know, you mm. should be generating enough revenue to ensure your mm. own people are well looked after your infrastructure mm. is well looked after saudi state mm. is a, is a leading state as an example for a lot of other nations and you know around the world with the amount of wealth that it's got and unfortunately that is not the case mm. at all and it hasn't been the case mm. i mean all you have to do is go outside of the haram right and now with the, the open mm-hmm. visas tourism visas go outside travel around and you see you see the same kind of infrastructure that you see in pakistan Okay, and yeah. I'm not trying. To, I'm not trying to diss Pakistan here, but I'm saying, you know, <laughs> a, you know, a very, very poor infrastructure, right? I mean, I mean, a, a, f- a mm-hmm. bit of rain, and you see flood water all over in Jeddah. You see sewage water, uh, you know, rising in in Jeddah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 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 what is there to assure the people, the average person, that the selling of this is going to actually benefit the people of Saudi Arabia themselves or anyone else? Well, I mean, we have to look about this, right? I yeah. mean, the fact that, I mean, let's look at the composition of the people who are actually buying these shares, mm. right? Um, okay, yes, that the Saudi government is going to get a lot of revenue in return from it. However, mm. it's actually these shares worth way more, basically, to keep and basically leverage to the world rather than selling the shares off. Because fundamentally, the, the most of the people who are buying these shares, if you look at the portfolio of those investors who are interested and in putting the highest bid, they are by and large mostly companies that are United States-led in terms of government institutions who are backing these companies. So the money, or the, the, actual, uh, the actual shares in, uh, in Aramco will fundamentally go to these very high bidders. As for whether or not the money is going to basically make its way down to the people, well, mm. we know for a fact that in, during high times where Saudi was on top of the world, it was not depleting into its reserves before the oil slump. It was not effectively regulating the market in terms of increasing taxes, reducing subsidies, making sure people are working now, mm. making more stringent conditions within the labor market as a result of the poor economic conditions. Mm. Even when it was at its climax, it did very little for the people. Mm. And in fact, you will notice an overwhelming disparity between the Saudi class, which I like to call it, and the overarching, basically normal average people who live within Saudi Arabia, uh, whether it be South Asians or, for instance, Saudis themselves. So Mm. by and large, even when Saudi was doing very well with the oil that they had for this whole basically 2030 plan, we know that the people by and large suffered from, you know, Saudi's extravagance or irrational exuberance in their attempt to, you know, deal with oil. Well, 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 well. Let's just hang on, Farouk. I, 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 I get a sense that perhaps we're being a bit unfair to the Saudi state here, right? So, so I mean, I mean, look, isn't that precisely the the point of Mohammed bin Salman coming in, anti-corruption mm. initiatives? You know, all of those mm. emirs and princes that he whipped up, right? You know, and put them into mm. this, you know, five-star luxury, you know, cells, right? Of uh, what was it, Ritz Carlton, right? Made them, you know, mm. cough up the billions and put them back into the state, you know, coffer, right? Uh, you know, and yeah. and 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 the and the change that he's driving isn't that precisely to 
put that money back into infrastructure put it back into society put it back into the into the in, in into the state so that the people can benefit right uh, and and what also is the evidence to say that this initiative is being driven uh, by these capitalists and they're the ones who are going to be you know who are going to be benefiting how, how, how would you substantiate that I mean, first of all, you have to look at where the money is going and mm. also, you know, where it's coming from. I mean, right. fundamentally, by and large, the money that's being invested within Saudi at the moment are certain tribal tribal uh, tribes in particular who mm. maintain a dominant monopoly over certain industries within the mm. Saudi uh, mm. market. Mm. You have to look at who is effectively investing in these companies. Yeah. You have to look at who is fundamentally benefiting on the ground. By and large, you will find that the money that is being made by Mohammed bin Man is effectively being invested either into the military, either into these specific tribes, into either corruption or uh, effectively perpetuating government-led interests within its own borders. I mm. wouldn't say by any measure and I don't think any political authority who is well, well versed within Saudi will say that the large returns that Saudi has made from its oil industry or from any industry for that matter is actually being spent uh, wisely on the people. However, okay, there is a point here which I warrant and I'm, I take your point. Look, Saudi's policy after the Arab Spring has actually been to effectively spend on its people yeah. in order to pacify them from any notion of revolt. Mm. Okay. So most of Mohammed bin Salman's efforts and capital injection have been to effectively create subsidies for the people, has yeah. been to, for example, give them days off work, has yeah. been to, for instance, improve their welfare. I would say that the Saudis are now dealing with some degree of blowback because what you have now is that because they've led this high sort of life lifestyle where the Saudis have actually been quite comfortable to some extent relative to the rest of the Arab world, as a result of some of the economic situations that they've had to endure, you're getting a situation now where they've had to cut back on these things and people are effectively starting to realize the fickle nature of these incentives that the government has had to mm. do. And, you know, if we're talking about um, what's good for the people, I mean, nobody, you don't really have to scratch uh, that far before you realize that Mohammed bin Salman has not only arrested many of its own uh, scholars, Salman Oweida, Safar al-Hawali, mm. you know, Ali al-Omari, these people, these scholars who he's arrested, and these people who silencing silently or overtly mm. indicate the fact that m much of the, the public who are actually suffering the consequences and speak out about it mm. are effectively coerced right. to accepting right, some right. norm that's being created by the government. Right, right. That's, that's interesting. It's, it's a good, good, good fact. Uh, so it's mm. not quite the the political change that you know uh, that a lot of people would would uh, uh, would, would be expecting. Mm. It, it is superficial change, is what you're telling me. Uh, you know, I've got two mm. quick questions for you before you know we, we unfortunately going to run out of time. Mm -hmm. You know, IPOs and selling you know mm. natural you know you know mm -hmm. uh, you know uh, uh, you know resources of, of a state. Uh, does it does Islam allow such an IPO? Right? Does Islam allow? I mean, this is Saudi Arabia, so-called Islamic, mm -hmm. you know, state, you know, uh, you know, Sharia rules, you know, following mm -hmm. the the, sh the Sharia of, of Allah Subhanahu mm -hmm. Wa Taala. I mean, what does Islam say about you know selling you know selling off your oil, privatizing your oil, or privatizing any mm -hmm. other natural resource that the Muslims have and which has a common you know interest, uh, you know, of, of of the Muslims? What's the Islamic perspective on this? So I would say, first of all, you know, Shalaan, this is a very clear violation of any known Islamic position when it comes to fiqh al-Mu'amalat. So it's a it's a violation, is it? 
Yeah, absolute violation. Really? So Why is that then? At, for ex yeah, if you look at hmm. if you look at, for example, oh, okay, Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam says in hadith, basically in Ahmed, al-Muslimuna shurakau fi thalathin al-ma'i wal-kali wal-nari. So Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam says the Muslims are partners in three: water, ashes, and fire. And in another hadith in Ibn Majah, he also says. That three things are not prevented: water, pastures, and fire. Now, if you look at the Shafi, the Maliki, the Hanbali schools of thought, okay, when we talk about these sorts of aspects, right, um, we're talking about things that are integral or effectively uh, public good. So, when we talk about energy, for instance, when the fire is mentioned, mm. we're talking about water, for example, and sustenance is mentioned. These things are own, effectively owned by the Muslim Ummah. They cannot be privatized. They cannot be sold off at the expense mm. of the people who are never seeing the benefits of it. And they cannot certainly be basically retained by the government without their authority because they belong to the people at large. Secondly, if you look at the nature of the stock market and the, the manner in which capitalist finance is done, uh, the Shah is based on, the Islam is based on a model of investment that is not effectively based for instance, on IPOs or listings, stocks and shares in the stock market. Why? Because the nature of those transactions and those contracts are bartered according to Islam. Right. Islam promotes a healthy profit and loss sharing investment strategy where mm. Muslims mm. And, uh, come together on projects effectively mm. to invest their effort rather than skewing the liability onto certain parties. Mm. And lastly, we have to keep in mind that we have, look, we have to look at the track record of these governments. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa says so in another hadith in Bukhari, the one who takes the people's wealth intending to pay it back, Allah will pay it back for him. And the one who takes it intending to waste it, mm. Allah will waste him. We look mm. at the track record of Saudi Arabia and it's basically history of supporting, for instance, wars led by the United yeah. States within right. the Muslim world, right. where millions of billions of dollars that are basically effectively gained from sending off oil reserves to the West mm. were squandered on supporting uh, the death of many Muslims around the world. So mm -hmm. I would say that by and large, mm -hmm. Islam is completely against the charlatans, I would say, and I would put it quite bluntly, who are effectively overwhelmingly in charge of the Muslim world right. and squandering the, right. the resources that should belong to us. Okay, Jazakallah uh, for, for that, uh, Brother Farooq. Unfortunately, we are running out of time. Very, very last quick question. I understand you're currently mm -hmm. authoring uh, or writing a book on, on economics. Very, very quickly, how far has that got then? Oh, so it's actually uh, published, so you can buy it now on Amazon. Um, it's basically on a uh, comparison between capitalism and Islam, how Islam would solve some of the key economic problems today that have basically been a product of this flawed capitalist system right. and indeed imitations of that system. Do, 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 so, I, do uh, I need I to be a PhD be, student to understand and read your book or is it, is it open to well, for, for the layman? I hope not. Yeah, I try to make it as clear as possible. I start from very basic fundamentals, okay. so everybody should be able to pick it up and read. All right, fantastic, uh, for, uh, brother Farooq Latif, Jazakallah for for joining us this evening on very short notice and and uh, you know shedding some light on this uh, very complex subject matter. Jazakallah Haran. Barakallah Okay, uh, that was listeners Farooq Latif uh, from uh, well, a uh, graduate of Cambridge University, currently in Imperial, lecturing economics, trying to make uh, you know an average person like myself understand a very complex subject matter and I, and, I, and I appreciate that it was uh, it was quite uh, informative to, to say the least and alhamdulillah we've come towards the end of the first half of the second hour of the show uh, we're going into a commercial break we'll be back in a couple of minutes don't go away until then assalamualaikum
You're listening to an Inspire FM podcast, making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to Friday Night Live with me Hafiz Shaban on this Friday the 8th of November 2019 subhanallah it is now the last half an hour of the show uh, and subhanallah we have been discussing a number of topics there for the last hour and a half 01582481822 for any late contributions to this evening's show and conversation uh, 0779481822 2 is the number for your SMS and WhatsApp messages for any of the the discussions, any of the subject matter, any any of the talks that we've been discussing this evening. It's been a great show and we are of course broadcasting as always to the good community of Luton, uh, Nottingham, Peterborough, Sheffield uh, and nationally and internationally via of course the, the medium of Facebook Live and of course the Inspire FM app. Right, for the last half an hour of the show, for the last 20 minutes of the show, I want to start with a disclaimer. I mean, this wasn't my idea when I proposed this subject matter to discuss this evening. I don't want our co-presenter, fellow presenter on Inspire FM, uh, brother Fahad Matin, to think that I am taking over his health and fitness show. <laughs> that wasn't the idea of uh, this uh, last subject matter. Uh, but it turns out to be that I'm going to be having a conversation with two doctors. Right, so I was. Uh, the idea was that we, we discuss for... For the last couple of minutes, you know, winter's around, winter is here. Uh, it's become very, it's getting very cold out there. Uh, it's getting dark very early, uh, and Subhanallah, very soon it's going to be dark even before it's 4 p.m. Right? And uh, Subhanallah, I thought, you know, why don't we discuss? We we traditionally discuss this every year. You know, about keeping safe, keeping safe in these uh, days of winter when the days are very short and it gets dark very very early right uh, but of course I think the producers thought what I meant by winter preparation is getting some doctors on and talking about how do we keep well how do we keep well so that's what the the conversation is going to be turning into keeping well and that's why I started off with a disclaimer Fahad Matin I'm not trying to steal your show brother uh, but anyway so let me have this conversation because I've got a couple of doctors as uh, as my guest this evening inshallah and I'm sure brother Fahad uh, can continue Continue this conversation in a bit more depth and a bit more detail when he does his show on Thursdays, inshallah. And if he indeed chooses this as a subject matter. But I think these are genuine questions, right? Legitimate questions, of course. When it comes to the you know the cold and when it comes to the short days and and the darkness, you know we could start suffering from all sorts of things, right? You know, I, I think cold is just you know cold is around the corner. People getting flu, people becoming sick, people you know, and 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 and, and so on and so forth, right? So we've got a couple of doctors, mashallah. We've been very uh, very lucky that we've got Doctor Nigat Arif, uh, who is a, an NHS and a private GP based in Buckinghamshire. 
Carolina, so not too far away from Luton. Uh, we've also got Dr. Hina Shahid, uh, who's the chair and uh, Muslim Doctors Association and also a GP. Uh, Muslim Doctors Association is a non-profit voluntary organization founded in 2004. Our team of doctors, dentists and allied health professionals work with local communities to empower and support individuals to lead healthier lives. So uh, without any further delay, let me welcome Dr. Nigat and Dr. Hina uh, to the show this evening. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for having me on. Welcome. And that was Dr. Nigat and Dr. Hina. Uh, both of you, welcome to Friday Night Live. It might have been the first time you, you're, you know, uh, we're speaking to you on Friday Night Live. I'm sure you've probably been on some of the other shows, uh, you know, more, you know, health and fitness related shows. But uh, but nevertheless, we, we've got this subject matter and we're discussing this evening. Uh, and this is a show, a show that goes out nationally to, uh, to a lot of our communities up and down the country. It is winter. It's getting very cold at the moment, early hours of the morning. I'm sure we've all started experiencing that, at least in my house. You know, the hoodies have come out, the beanies have come out, the gloves and the scarves have come out. You know, what is, uh, let, let's start with Dr. Nigger. You know, what is the general advice that you would give to a lot of our listeners in terms of preventing those colds and preventing those flus and, and trying to keep well, safe and healthy during these days of, uh, of, of quite harshness that's coming up. Yeah, we're heading into the really cold spell. It's already started today. It's bitterly mm. cold outside. And you've done all the right things. You've got your beanies, you've got your hoodies, you've got your gloves, your hats, your scarf. Huh. So actually preventing and keeping your health and getting any worse in your house over the winter period is actually one wrap-up warm. Mm. Because when we get cold, it can actually elevate our blood pressure, and particularly in older people, it can elevate their blood pressure, so you're at risk of getting high blood pressure, strokes, etc. So it's really, really important to keep wrapped up really well, and make sure you have warm drinks whenever possible. So something like soups, teas, uh, something healthy, that's really good. If you want to have a bit of a treat, make sure it's a small treat and not a big you are allowed those in the winter because mostly people want to eat carbs but actually trying to have a healthy balanced lifestyle is a good way of preventing any ill health over over the winter period and then the flu vaccine you mentioned that um, flu is really uh, rife over the winter you're absolutely right it's because the flu virus actually stays alive on surfaces on, on our hands for up to 24 hours so it's really easy if you cough and sneeze and you are carrying the virus to pass it on to other people. And there are particularly vulnerable groups in our community. So over 65, pregnant women, young children. And it's really important for those groups to go and see their GP and get the vaccine, which is free. And if you have any chronic long health conditions such as diabetes, kidney disease, heart disease, asthma, you'd also get those on the free yeah. uh, on the national health system right. as well. So right. a flu vaccine, please, all your listeners, get your flu vaccine if you haven't got it already. Right. Mashallah, Dr. Nigger, you've answered three questions in one, in one question, but, but I, I, I appreciate... <laughs> well, you asked me. Fantastic. All right, so I'm, I'm going to go to Dr. Hina, and I'm going to go back to the first point, Dr. Nigger, that you mentioned, right, which is wrapping up and keeping safe. Let, let, let's go through this one, one point at a time, because I think it's key message... I, 
that needs yeah. to go out there. I mean, you know, I've got I've got a, a children, and you know, uh, uh, my eldest, you know, sixteen, you know, going to high school. A lot of the times, he comes out with 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 his blazer on. I think I, I say, I'm not taking you to school until you don't put that beanie on, you, until you don't put that scarf on, and you don't put your gloves on. I want to go to Doctor Hina, right? So, how do we ensure, right? Because you know, young children, you know, they just throw off their beanies, throw off their their scarves, right? How do we ensure that we get that message to our youngsters that you need to stay wrapped up warm to prevent illness rather than then you know you know almost going backwards and then trying to you know you know you know heal you know or you know get seek treatment for for an illness yeah that's a really good question a very difficult question as well that you've asked so um i mean it is all about you know gentle encouragement and not you know not being punitive and not kind of um, you know, punishing or, or give it sending out negative messages, but just sending out the positive messages and seeing what works for them, um, and you know, telling them that they don't want to go get sick or go to the doctor. Um, so it's just gentle encouragement is what I would say. Um, but also, I think what's really important, and Dr. Nigg has covered a lot of the kind of physical health um, issues that we might face in the winter months. Um, but what is equally important is also looking after our mental health. Mm. So we know in the winter weather, um, you know, in, in the winter season, uh, and when it's cold, people are more prone to suffering winter blues, seasonal affective disorder. We see a relapse of depression. Um, and so it's really important as well to look after our mental health and well-being through simple things like, you know, continuing hobbies or finding hobbies that you enjoy, connecting with people and, and actually going outdoors. Often we tend to stay indoors because we don't want to go out. Mm because it's so so cold but it is important to go out to meet people and try and get as much natural daylight as you can um and especially checking up on kind of elderly relatives and our yeah. neighbors and yeah. making sure that they're that they're safe and and you know and, and that mm. they're okay i think is also really important yeah i, I think dr you know, it's a good point you've touched upon which which is I think the tendency is to try to stay indoors, isn't it? Because of because it's so cold outside, uh, and that almost me- means that a lot of people are not getting that exposure outside. Of course, I mean, if you're young, you're going to school, or your parents doing the drop-offs, then of course you're, you you've got a lot more. You know, you're forced to go out outdoors, but is is probably more of our elderly age grab. You know, kind of bracket. You know, people that you know try to tend not to go outside. So the advice would be that wrap up well and you know try to get some you know fresh air and try to step outside. You know, of course, you know ensuring that you know it's all good and fit for you. Is that what you would generally recommend? Absolutely, yeah. definitely. I think that's what I would recommend. Yeah, and and just on the point of physical exercise with um, elderly people, so I'm always saying to my aunties, if you right. can't go outside, um, yeah. make sure that you use the stairs at home. Make sure yeah. you do a workout at home. Yeah. Even yoga, meditation, that can be done in your living room in front of the TV. Yeah. So there's no excuse because you're at home and it's virus or it's snowing yeah. outside. Yeah. Get outside. Don't do it outside. Do it yeah. inside. Yeah. And yeah. actually, this is a really good opportunity when it's winter yeah. to get the children involved. But yeah. at home, yeah. try and think of family activities yeah. rather than you just want to sit there and lounge around. Yeah. Um, it's important to try and get out of that I know it's hard as a mum of three myself it's hard to get your kids motivated yeah. but you can really turn that around and that's the mindset as Dr Hina was saying mm. the depression sets in mood affected mm. disorders come in and it's all about mindset 
process and trying to get those endorphins going, right. get that serotonin pumping, and actually yeah. that will make winter a bit more enjoyable. Right, yeah, absolutely. Okay, l- let me go to Dr. Hina. We're talking about prevention here, right? So prevention in terms of okay, staying warm, keeping wrapped up. Um, I mean, what about, you know, you know, start taking, you know, some of those, you know, you know, your garlic and honey, uh, I don't know, drinks, you know, a tea drinks, right? Instead of, you know, your normal, you know, dudpattis, right? Uh, maybe trying to start taking some soups, you know, some of those things that are generally good for you and may prevent, from, you know, you know, you know, so I, I don't know, you know, your flus or your colds or, or whatever. Again, prevention, you know, better than better than cure. What, what are the kind of things that you would recommend that we start adding on to our diets plans already? Yeah. So a nutrition is really important. Mm. And I think before we start adding things to our diet, we need to make sure that our basic diet is, is healthy and mixed, which right. the majority of us don't actually have. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that means making sure that we eat our five pieces of fruit and vegetable um, that we are drinking in a fluid and keeping hydrated. Mm. And also that we try and have foods that are in season. So, you know, in the winter that we see vegetables like carrots and parsnips and mm. weed and turnips that are in season. And it's encouraged to eat seasonal food so we can start with the basics first. Mm. The other thing that's really encouraged is also in increasing your intake of milk. Um, of course, you know, going for low-fat options, so in, and not just milk, but other dairy products, so low-fat and skimmed or semi-skimmed options, because dairy is a great source of protein, vitamins A, B12, and calcium, which, you know, keeps the bone strong hmm. um, and can also help boost our immune system. And then, you know, if you're going to talk about vitamins and supplements, well, actually, the evidence around that is really mixed, and most experts would say you need to start off with having a healthy, balanced diet first. Hmm. And, um, you know, these supplements, again, there isn't, the evidence isn't that strong. Um, so we wouldn't routinely recommend it if you have a mixed, healthy diet. Mm. Um, so that would be the first thing to say about nutrition. Um, and then in general, kind of um, what you can do if you are noticing signs of kind of early coughs and colds, is, you know, you can go to the pharmacy and get over-the-counter medications that mm. help with some of the symptom relief, like lozenges, um, gargles, those kind of things. Mm. Mm, okay, <clears throat> that's very informative. I, I think I think that was Dr. Hina that was speaking last, so I'm going to jump on to uh, Dr. Nigat. Right, so I, I mean, of course, th- this is the time of, of course, flu, colds, coughs, etc., etc. Huge strain on the NHS, huge strain in terms of, you know, our local surgeries and GPs and, and, and doctors. We, we're to- we've talked about some of the things that we should be doing in terms of our children. I mean, it's not only applicable to children, but also to, to the adults, wrapping up, staying warm, etc., you know, preventing. Uh, other elements that we've discussed in terms of some of the good stuff that we should be in, you know, intaking as part of our diet, right? Uh, and some of those natural remedies and, and herbal uh, herbal options that we should be, you know, uh, taking as part of our dietary plan and ensuring that it's healthy. And that's obviously as part and parcel of prevention. Uh, early signs, you know, start coming up. I, I think Dr. Hina was mentioning, you know, popping into the local pharmacy, etc., and start and start, you know, using some of those, you know, medication that is available over the over the counter as opposed to inundating our local surgery. Is is that what you would recommend initially when those early signs start kicking in, uh, Dr. Nigger? Yeah. 
I would definitely recommend that because it gets very busy around the winter period, um, as you can imagine. So mm. utilize your pharmacies, utilize your local health shop, actually. Mm. Um, they also have some really good advice as well. I like your idea of dudpati, though. That actually suits me really well. Dudpati. <laughs> um, but also, it's keeping us Keeping yourself warm and keeping yourself toasty as much as possible is good. Um, right. And uh, the other thing that can be really helpful for people who have access to district nurses, and particularly for children, yeah. mums and dads, up until the age of their child gets to about five, have access to the health visitor. Mm. So it doesn't always mean that you need to go and see the GP. You can utilise the nurse, district nurses, health shops, pharmacies, uh, health visitors. So these are allied health professionals that you should try and touch base with right. um, in order to uh, get the best advice. Right. Dr. Dinger, pardon my ignorance, well, what's a health shop? Oh, so I'm thinking uh, uh, along the lines of, uh, in, in Buckinghamshire, we have a, a shop called Health Right. There's a big branded shop like Holland and Barrett's. Right, right, right. Small vitamins okay. in the winter period. Okay. Um, and they can give you things like hot packs that you can right. warm up and keep okay. in the bed so that they right. keep you nice and warm. Okay. Um, that's the health shop that I'm thinking. Okay, fine. Uh, okay, now w- one of the things that you mentioned, uh, Dr. Nigger, but I want to go to Dr. Hina for, for this, right? Is uh, keeping warm, right? Keeping warm. Now, I mean, you know what? Some of us may be lucky, right? And we can ensure that our houses are nice and warm. Uh, and we can afford to pay those very, very expensive utility bills, right, to, to ensure that our houses are warm. And maybe some of us, unfortunately, are not able to, right, ensure that our houses are necessarily warm, right? So, you know, you, you can sometimes visit someone and their house is fairly cold, right? Uh, what difference does that make, I mean, in terms of uh, to my health as, 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 an, as an individual? Maybe I can't afford to ensure that my house is warm. What are some of the other practical things that I can do to counter you know you counterbalance that right uh, because i just can't afford to you know to you know to pay these high utility bills right for the next four months consi- consi- consistently mm-hmm. right uh, and and is living in a cold house for yeah. example bad for me you know it, it, some general advice around that doctor you know because i know some homes that i go to for example i know you know they keep one room nice and warm but then as soon as you step outside that room and go into another room it's freezing Right? Uh, is that necessarily a bad thing, a good thing? I mean, uh, what's uh, any general advice you can offer around that? Yeah, sure. So you touched on a few things, so I'll just break them down. Mm. Um, so the first one is about the expensive utility bills. Mm. And, um, you know, and so fuel poverty is a real issue that we're facing in the UK at the moment. And that's when people, especially elderly people, can't mm. afford to pay the bills that ne- are necessary to keep their houses warm. Yeah. Um, now there are there is help around that um, that you know those elderly people or their relatives can access certain schemes to alleviate that and, and that depends on, on where you live. Um, but it does have repercussions on your health. So Dr. Nigat already touched on this that you know if it's cold, it can cause your blood vessel, your blood pressure to rise, and that's because your blood vessels um, become tight and narrow to try and preserve heat and that can cause a high blood pressure which can lead to heart disease stroke and actually we do see an increase in heart attacks in the winter oh really so Mm. it is really important to keep your body temperature well regulated um now in terms of what the optimal temperature is we say um you know 21 degrees for a room so if you're in that room you know 21 degrees is good um and at night um because our, our uh, you know we produce heat um 
18 degrees is, is the optimum temperature. Now, if you're staying in one room and, you're, and the temperature is fine and the other rooms are, are cold, then as long as you're in, your surrounding is a, is a good temperature, then that should be fine. Hmm. Okay. All right, fair enough. Uh, I just wanted yeah, go on. to say something. Sorry, I wanted to say something on the end of that. He made fantastic points. But um, for your listeners, uh, there is uh, uh, lots of agencies out there that can help them with their bills, which Good. actually people don't realise that All they right. are there. So go back to your energy supply. That's what I say to my patients. Your energy supply will help you break down your cost so that you're not paying so much in a lump sum. Hmm. That might be an idea. And citizens' advice bureaus, there's lots okay. around right. that um, they can support you in order to manage your fuel over the winter period. Right. Okay. V- and, very... a- and Age UK, they help the elderly pay for their fuel as well. So that's worth it looking into agencies that can support you with that. That's very, very, very good advice, Doctor. Jazakallah, I appreciate that. We've got about five minutes, and I've got two questions, right? That uh, I want answering. One is, uh, you know, it, it becomes is getting dark very early. You know, it's soon as four o'clock, it's going to be turning dark. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, it's freezing out there, very cold, raining, very, uh, you know, doom and gloom. You know, we touched upon it in terms of winter blues, depression, negative. You know, it can have a lot of impact on on a lot of us in terms of mentally and and almost you know affect our character and our behavior uh, maybe some advice on that would be very good and helpful and then the second point is the real kind of agenda that i had for for this kind of uh, subject matter when i was thinking about it and, and I'm, I'm sure you know yourselves as as ladies uh, from the community as parents potentially to how do we just generally keep safe uh, you know it's getting dark very early for our children for ourselves when we're out there we're coming home late from work our kids are outside on the streets maybe coming back alone going to the masjids etc maybe some general advice for a lot of our parents a lot of our listeners out there in terms of you know be conscious be careful and stay safe dr Nahina, do you want to take that first yeah sure so um the first question that you asked was about you know just general mental health and well-being mm. um and preventing some of these negative feelings um and i mentioned some of these before around you know it's really important to see other people to connect with people to prevent that social isolation that sometimes we can see in, in the winter right. months mm. um and you know trying to take up a hobby or doing things that you enjoy just to keep yourself active and engaged um, and doing some you know activities and dr nigger mentioned getting your family involved and doing things inside as well is a really good option but equally you know if you do find that those feelings are becoming persistent and not going away then it's really important to see your gp um you know if you do feel that you are actually you know suffering from depression or anxiety or any other um, mental health problem then please speak to your gp and, and you know we'd be more than happy to help okay okay fantastic and uh, dr nigger any any f- final words from yourself well, I was just going to say, in regards to keeping safe over the winter, just get the simple common sense things that lots of people across the UK are doing already. So get mm. your lights checked around the house so that you're not walking into a, a dark building. Get your tyres checked, get your fuel and your winter checks around your cars. And in regards to your children going to Mushtiv, you can get them a high visibility jacket so when they are mm. crossing roads, people can see them, um, make sure that they, uh, we're coming back to wrapped up warm, but uh, make sure they're wrapped up warm and mm. go with your children. Do not leave your children unassisted, even if uh, sometimes you think they are. But actually, winter time is usually when they are going to be prone to getting accidents or, God mm. forbid, have a car accident, mm. particularly 
sort of below the age of, I would say, 14, 15, or maybe I'm just a protective mother, I would say accompany your children to the mosque and back home again. Fantastic. Right, uh, Dr. Nigat Arif and Dr. Hina Shahid, it's been a pleasure speaking to you both. Thank you for having Uh, us. Thank you very much for your time this evening. Great to speak to experts like yourselves on this subject matter. And I'm sure uh, Brother Fahad Matin, if he hasn't previously been speaking to you, he will be speaking to you soon. Who's the real presenter of the health and fitness show on Inspire FM? Zakala Hair. Okay, that was Dr. Nigger and that was Dr. Hina uh, giving their expertise advice on uh, keeping safe and keeping well and keeping sound in the winter months, inshallah, which we are in at the moment. So really, really big shout out to Dr. Nigger, Dr. Hina, Jazakallah Heron. Jazakallah Heron, may Allah reward you for your expertise and, and the fantastic expertise. Uh, and service that you are providing to the community. Great role models there, uh, Dr. Hina and Dr. Nigger. And uh, folks, uh, we're, we're about to come towards the end of the show. It's been a fantastic two hours and, uh, you know, great to, uh, mashallah, discuss a number of different subject matters this evening, inshallah ta'ala. Always great to hear from you, our listeners. And uh, you know what? Uh, another different angle that we can take on the winter, the months of winter. And I was listening to a lecture uh, in terms of the Salaf and, uh, and and winter, right? And that is, subhanAllah, this is a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic opportunity for you to increase your ibadat and in particularly your fasting. The you know, These are fantastic days for fasting. You know, start fasting on Mondays and Thursdays. And subhanAllah, you could be doing iftar at 4 o'clock in a couple of days time, right? So if you've got a lot of fast to, to make up, this is your time. Don't please, please, please don't waste your time and don't waste the days. You In, in a couple of weeks time, you know what? It, the opportunity would have been gone because the, the time is going to start increasing and not decreasing. So start with your fards, fards, uh, your fasting and your you know, supererogatory, your optional fasting. Great opportunity. Also, the nights are very long. So you know what? This is a reminder for myself firstly. Start, you know, those tahajjud prayers. Start those tahajjud prayers. Plenty of hours to sleep. Plenty of hours to sleep. Wake up half an hour before Fajr Salah and offer four, six, eight rakats of tahajjud. Get the, you know, the reward in these months. The, the Sahaba, they used to love the, the winter months for these precise reasons. On those notes, we are coming towards the end of the show. Last 20 seconds, inshallah. You are with me, Hafiz Shaban, on Friday Night Live, inshallah. This is your show. If you want us to discuss any particular subject matter you know do write into us do communicate with us you know we don't we're not scary individuals we like to hear from our listeners we like to hear your suggestions give us your suggestions inshallah and do try to get involved on the show do try to probe some questions i try to probe some questions do criticize do make suggestions until next week allah hafiz assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at inspirefmluton.